Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Kami Bureau Football Report. The Kami Bureau Football Report is a member of the Believe Podcast family that's spelled B L E A V, and that is why on your favorite podcast platform. It reads, Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Not the title I intended, but, um, you know, they give us ads sometimes, so that's why I put up with it. Although I keep saying this on the, the top of every episode, and I haven't got ads in a long time, so maybe that has something to do with it? I don't know. Uh, the network could use a name change. And if you don't want to give me small ads for that, whatever. Uh, enough of that, Mission Goss, and on to this week's amazing guests. Uh, uh, one of the funniest people we in on stand-up stages today, a best-selling author, uh, star and co-creator of Those Who Can't, a series that uh, should have gone on way far longer had True TV not shifted to game shows. <laughs> uh, please give it up for Adam, Caton, Holland, everybody. Hooray! Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for having a brick backdrop <laughs> always be ready to perform <laughs> <laughs> you just have like glenn gary glenn ross just playing uh in your head on loop or something hell yeah no i meant in front of a comedy yeah, brick wall right. but uh no i made my garage into an office mark Marin style and i left two walls brick the other ones over there are finished but this is the view that i where my right. desk is at so i don't Sweet. know yeah. Does Marin style include a lot of like fan art that you're publicly like, whoa, why, why am I getting this? But you secretly um, love. I don't think there's any fan art. There's art from my kids. They're fans, oh, cool. kind of sometimes. <laughs> casual I mean, fans. They've casual made art. Fans. Yeah. I mean, what percentage of your comedy, Adam, is age appropriate for your kids, or do you not even care about that? Oh God. They're, I mean, when they're three and one. Yeah. So they don't really take in a lot of stand-up. Sure. Um, but I'll let my podcast, I'll play in the car and they'll listen to it. And then my son started saying, God damn it, a lot. So I was like, we should probably watch the podcast. And that's like the best, cleanest thing we say on the podcast. So I, I've stopped playing that in front of him. Yeah. Well, but he sings the theme music. It's pretty funny. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you won't have two too stressful of a parent teacher conference meeting <laughs> school starts tomorrow for him so I'm, we'll see we'll see but his last first? schooling he was kind of the class clown i was told so that's cool. wow yeah yeah there there you go there you go there you go um how are you how is it i i mean i think the last time i saw you was maybe like just maybe a year or two before lockdown who knows what is time yeah what is time truly yeah, Not I'm all right. Simple. Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, pandemic's hard. Hard to be a stand-up comedian during a pandemic. That's sure. just true. Mm-hmm. But it's also hard to be a person during a pandemic. So everybody can relate. Um, but yeah, things are things are brightening, and yeah, I'm getting out there a bit more. And got a project I'm pretty optimistic about. So you know, deceiving myself into a career in the arts once again after a pause. Oh yeah, no, aren't we? Aren't we all? It does definitely feel like I. I don't want to like tempt fate by 
voicing the idea that like the pandemic is over because it's not. However, the way shows are happening and how audiences are becoming at, shall I say, as forgiving as they used to be in 2019 makes it feel like, oh, yeah, we're like back to normal, I guess. Somewhat. It's, you know, it changes wherever you go. Like I know L.A. and it sort of has to be is very strict. And, you know, I went to Portland to perform and I live in Denver. It's a very liberal city. Everybody, for the most part, wore masks and behaved responsibly. But then I went to Portland to perform and I I was still like, we need to see your proof of vax to get into this restaurant and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay, that's legit. Right. This was a few months ago, but I. You know, you just, it depends on where you're at as right. and how seriously people take it. Right, absolutely. And even now, there were like, LA had like a tiny spike in like that Omicron subvariant, and then that died down. And then I was like almost turned away from this weird vintage store downtown that I enjoy going to because I didn't, I just like, I usually never do it, but I like I forgot a mask. Uh huh. And uh, they're like, ah, nothing I can do for you. And I, I almost like, are we, are we still doing that part of this? Yeah, well, it's like, I feel like at that point, have masks. Because I was like at, in Seattle, and mm-hmm. uh, go figure, coffee shops, Seattle coffee shops are still like masks mandatory. And I even thought, of course, this is, these are the smartest, most cautious people probably in the U.S. are hanging out in Seattle coffee shops. Right. But I was like, if you're going to do that, realize most people ha- are not carrying masks right now. Yeah, so yeah. like the one shop had a little black shitty mask and I put it on and I got my coffee and I left. Yeah. Thank goodness somebody else in the store is like, I have a mask and it was a Hello Kitty printed mask, which I'm like, there you go. that's it's fine. I don't, I don't have any self-conscious. I will take your, this off and you got your vintage experience. You, you, that was what you were looking for. Absolutely. Now, you are a big old part of a one, I would say one of the uh, America's best comedy festivals, dare I say, the world. Uh, sure. I Let's plan. Do it. Let's yeah, just yeah. call it the world's best. World's best. Yeah, just <laughs> you can put that on and don't have any asterisk or just like have an asterisk and then fine print, like, you know. Yeah. Some people, yeah, yeah. Some people uh, agree. High Plains Comedy Festival, uh, which, like everything else, was interrupted by COVID. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about your journey with that and just like, the, uh, will they, won't they? And I, n- now being like a full in-person thing in a week? Yeah, I mean, in two days it starts. I, uh, I, well, so would you want me to tell you about the festival or what it's been like with the pandemic and the festival? Both. Okay, well the festival started Actually, 10 years ago. This would be the 10-year anniversary, except we took 2020 off, right. uh, obviously. Yeah. So this is year nine of this festival, which is just my baby. And it's just the quintessential indie comedy festival. It's me underpaying my famous friends to come have a blast in Denver for three days. Right. And it's done music style, music festival style. So venues within walking distance, you can catch this set for 20 minutes, this set for 10 minutes, running across the street to see all your performers if you're that big a comedy nerd, which a lot of people who come to the festival are, and I love oh, yeah, that. You know, they're, they're highlighting who they want to see at what time and figuring out how to jet from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, we took 2020 off. That was just a no-brainer. You know, we I feel like all of us when everything started, it's like, well, three months, well, six months, and then all of our babies started dying. Right. And you're like, oh, I don't we all had one big thing we were looking forward to that just went away. And that's when your back broke. And you're like, oh, this is way bigger than my dumb schedule. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So so for me, the high planes being having to toss that out in 2020 was one of those. Um, when did you make that call? Because like you do normally do it around this time of year, and I'm right. sure at some point you were like, I mean, maybe wait it out, and we're probably good. Yeah, I think it was like June or July. It, yeah. You know, there are a lot of moving parts, and eventually you got to get started doing the stuff, yeah, yeah, or it's right. not going to happen. And so June is kind of your drop dead. Like if you're not really lining up sponsors and booking comedians and finding hotels, and then you're not. This is not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I guess it was probably around then. But then the next year was so great, and it was in a really solid window where it felt safe, and most everyone agreed, including the CDC. And we had made that up sure all performers were vaccinated and audiences were masked, and it was just really cathartic. And I think it was just through timing, one of the first sort of festivals that a lot of comedians had done since shutting things down. So. It was a love fest and a lot of fun and there were no big outbreaks and it was just couldn't have gone better. And so last year was a blast and this year is shaping up to be great. That's awesome. Um, who, who, uh, now last year, did you, was it like um, a hybrided thing at all? Cause I know the, not this year, but last year, Embra did this like hyphenated, partially digital, partially in person where I think a lot of people made sure it didn't count. I know a lot of festivals did it like South by last year went like mostly virtual, especially for the comedy part. I mean, well, weirdly, I think it was even weirder. They like had people that they wanted to feature at South by tape sets with barely any audience at all at, at venues. And then they like broadcast that. That's right. Because comedy works was, yeah, that's right. I was talking to Charlie at South by about that, and he's trying to get it going at Comedy Works as well, but it didn't work out. Um, yeah, that's what they did. You know, we don't have <laughs> this is DIY fest. It's like me and my partner Karen Wachtel, and we have a team of people below that um, who get everything done and are fantastic. But for us to just like decide on a whim, let's do it virtually, would be yeah. so hard. Right. and all-encompassing and i not a knock on those other festivals i did it i did a couple of zoom shows for money because why not right. and i hated every single one i imagine aggressively yeah and i tossed yeah. the script out and was just like making fun of the zoom people i could see and <laughs> it, it, comedy doing that made me even sadder it's like i miss stand-up comedy and then doing this bastardized like funny zoom meeting made me even say I, I would be more depressed after that I, i'd rather not do comedy at all than do it that way so no knock on those guys everyone was just trying to like right give people something and there was a an audience for it because i'd see people who were like thank you for doing the show i really needed that I, it's been bleak however i hated it so much that i didn't want to ask my friends to do that right. i didn't want to be the guy putting that out so i just nah, not a, yeah not a, 
we didn't do any hybrid anything. It was in person, and if you weren't there, I, I understand, and I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the air probably feels different now uh, going into this year, right, where it just feels like, I mean, the, like you were saying, you know, there's probably what, four or five venues that are a block away, less than a block away from it, literally across the street, and um, people are just roaring up for it. Yeah, I mean, I've been joking on stage that, like, everyone in America, when it comes to COVID, is where the right wing was two years ago. Like, yeah. we're all just like, they came out like, I don't care at all. And now we're like, I'm kind of there. And then you yeah. realize it's just like the difference between the right and the left is two years of empathy. And right. that's, that's about it. That makes me think of, uh, I think it's Zero Dark Thirty, where they go to some, like, CIA black site and they're, like, torturing somebody. And the guy the operative is like you know it's it's not uh it's just a matter of time man like you're gonna give up at some point like just know that like we so you can we could do this the hard way yeah or you could just tell me now yeah you, yeah, will, yeah. you will do it yeah right i think yeah. we're all kind of there and i and, and i you know i respect people who really are need to be cautious and are immunocompromised but i think society for better or for worse is like sorry we're done like right. i mean and you can look at the alternative like i just read the headlines in china every day where they like just will do these full stop everybody goes back in lockdowns and it is really crippling everything that they do is it yeah you know, I was one of the holdouts. My family, I got babies. We had a baby during all of it. So we were very cautious of all that. And I didn't get COVID until two months ago. And neither did my family. And we were like, okay. look at us. Like, have you gotten it or no? I got it last Thanksgiving, yeah. Okay, yeah. This last variant was like, it was finding the me's of the world. And it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we got you. So I, I was as cautious as anybody. But at this point, it's like, I don't really know anyone who hasn't gotten it. Uh, my, my, yeah, and whenever I hear people talk about, like, they haven't gotten it, I feel like, you know, if they developed a 100% accurate sort of, like, uh, test where you, to see if you had gotten it. Right, right, you right. You have gotten it. It's just, like, you didn't have any symptoms or whatever. Yep, you know. yep. Yeah. Ah, COVID, what a fun time. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... People, even at open mics, I've been noticing like, oh, people are just back to complaining about Tinder. Like there's no, <laughs> this is like, and that, I think that is such a weird feeling of like, we went through this horrific thing that the entire globe had to experience and such a like a uh, collective trauma is just like, whether you, I mean, don't want to talk about it or not, it, it just is this thing that we'll read about in history books and defines our generation for better or for worse. And uh, yeah, no one wants, <laughs> it's just like not a thing anymore. I wonder what those post-Spanish flu open mics were like. And like, yeah. were, were they really going head on or were they like, we're done with the Spanish flu, Quick, enough. Yeah, well, they had a world war to talk about. So maybe- Yeah, talk about the war. <laughs> the great war. People will know this as the Great War because it's the war to end all wars, which I found so funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. R random tangent. I So there's like a, uh, 
a thing I check every day to see like what historical events happened on this day in like past years. I like that. Yeah, and I forget what the year was, but it was just like a week ago. I think like it's maybe fourteen hundreds. A group of countries, I think in the European continent, banded together to try to get rid of the crossbow with the idea of like, if we get rid of the crossbow, there will be no more wars. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, wow, how short-sighted. And it just like the idea of crossbow control just tickles me. Dude, there's, that's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a comedy, a medieval comedy to get rid of the crossbow to end all wars. Yeah. That's, that's great. <laughs> and how it's so like, oh, you have no idea what's coming. Yeah, it'd it have to end with them having done it. And then, like, across in another country, like, a dude invents the cannon. <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah. And, you know, the great, great, great irony of that is, like, people laud Japan for gun control and how it's so hard. It's, like, pretty much impossible to get a gun. But because of that, organized crime, the Yakuza have, like, gone to crossbows. And there are semi-automatic crossbows because of that. Really? Yes! Yakuza's using crossbows? Yeah, because it's easier Damn. to just get, you know? Just when you thought those guys couldn't get any cooler. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, just... shit. If comedy doesn't go well for me, I feel like I have Yakuza energy. And now sure. that the crossbows, I just got to learn the language. I feel right. like you I have a, you have a You have like a cheap black suit and black tie, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I look great in on neon streets. Yes, you do. I really look good in the light of neon. Yeah. You know, if Michael Shannon can play a Yakuza in the very flawed bullet train, then you could definitely. And that's all I'm saying. And that's why I came on the podcast today. And I'm glad we yeah. finally got to the point. Absolutely. Nothing Thank wrong you. with Adam playing a Japanese guy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that is, uh, that's just wh where Asian representation is uh, in the grand skew of things right now. It's like, it's still okay to not represent them fully the way they want sometimes. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do some comedy news real quick? Fuck yeah. Uh, all right. First on the docket, um, the, you know, this is that time of year, the primetime Emmys. Uh, and as they're wont to do, they uh, <laughs> they give all the nerds the Emmys on uh, their separate weekend, uh, separate from the stars. Sure. Uh, but I say nerds because that's how I feel like they're treated. But it's the Creative Arts Emmys. It's all the technical awards or the awards that are so small, they don't really want <clears throat> to give it to, you know, uh telecast time on uh you know uh with everybody who's like the best comedy the best drama um so you don't need they, to see the ugly people behind the camera that's not why we watch tv no but also like who is i mean i know that it almost feels like people watch the oscars and emmys as like well i i, I bought into this betting pool so i have to watch it i think you might be right about that like i i uh you know, I'm in the biz, so to speak, from a distance. 
but I'm definitely an outlier. But I don't care about anything, and I don't watch anything. And when when the Oscars happened, and Will Smith did what he did, my phone's blowing up, and they're just like, "What are you seeing this?" And I was like, "Who watches this shit?" Like, I, I was like, no, I'm watching yeah. a show with my, I'm watching a movie because I like movies. If I if I had one up for an award, I'd watch the Oscars. Right. But otherwise, I'm not watching this shit. Yeah, award shows are like late night where like, yeah, I'm not gonna watch, I'll watch like a clip, if there's like something interesting that happens, Yeah, people yeah. will talk about it, and then I'll watch it. But otherwise, like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna sit through actors doing their political grandstanding. Right, I'll or, see what I need to see the next day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but anyways, so they don't even broadcast the Creative Arts Emmys live, they record it and then they'll broadcast it after. But they do like uh, you know there's comedy awards that sort of uh, happen during these two nights um which are some of the following uh outstanding television movie chippendale rescue rangers the very meta one that was seemingly not for kids i don't know if you watched it i didn't watch it but i did doug loves movies and doug uh -huh. was raving about it right and said it was so funny and so clever so it's got the doug benson stamp of approval i know that yeah with Melania and sandberg it just it felt like so inside baseball where they like make fun of different like cgi graphics like that's like a nuanced bit in it um and i'm like this is i don't know this is for kids i know they played struggling they played actors like right yeah, yeah. i thought that was a funny take on it yeah absolutely and that we're well, well that's the thing is like you would have to have grown up with chip and dale to even know, like, love it as a series and then step outside of the reality of that, that they're actors. Yeah, I don't know how much, like, an eight-year-old wants to buy into that. Yeah, I'd be curious to watch it because, you know, did they do both planes? Like, is there a plane for children? And obviously there's a plane, you know, with the inside jokes and, and right. the Hollywood jokes. Uh, I, I don't know. Look, yeah. Doug Benson knows his stuff. He's, he's in Hollywood A-lister. He's on every red carpet. Oh, sure. So he, he could have enjoyed it for the inside baseball as well. Absolutely. Uh, outstanding actor in a short form comedy or drama series. Thank goodness this, uh, Tim Robinson finally has an Emmy. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Hell yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, outstanding actress in a short form comedy or drama. State of the Union. Oh, that's not a comedy. I'm like reading these. The State of uh, the Union got one? Yep. Uh, that's ridiculous. Like, who cares? Who's so? I guess somebody wrote that State of the Union speech. Uh -huh. They got the Emmy on their like Washington office wall that will change in two years to six years, and then like that that'll be in a. Oh, box it's, a it's a dramatic series called State of the Union. It's, a, it's a ah okay. I thought it was for a State of the Union address. I'm sure. I'm sure at, at some point in Biden's presidency, they're going to give him like a, essentially a participation trophy. <laughs> well now i just feel like if you can get state of the union emmys now i want one of those right yeah yeah that's a true he got a true he um you has those who can't was it nominated for any sorry if that's Jake, a true question why, why are you just jabbing me low like that that's just really <laughs> no it was it was nominated for best vehicle to sell used cars uh -huh. and and uh lead into, cash in the commercials and lead into impractical jokers right 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 best lead into impractical jokers 
It is so weird that True TV at one time used to be like a mostly dedicated comedy network, but I feel like their their programming is so splinter because Impractical Jokers is It's a, a behemoth. Yeah, and a very just like it is definitively like a certain side of comedy and then those who can't and Amy Sedaris's like weirdo craft show is like not anything like that. Well, and then there was also uh, John Glazer had a show and Andrea Savage had a show and I think they were, and, I, and listen, I'm not knocking the Jokers, but it is right. one sort of brand of thing and I think right. they were going more for like the scripted indie or comedy brand right. with us right. and those other shows. And then I, I just think honestly, they didn't, they were expensive to make because that's how TV is. Although expensive is a relative term. They were cheap on that end. But I don't think it made them enough for it to be worthwhile. And and there's a million reasons for that, mainly probably because the audience was trained to reality stuff. And now you're dropping scripted on them, and they're kind of like, I don't know what to do with this. So it was what it was. Uh, But yeah, I mean, a lot of those shows, ours included, I, I I was loving. Right. And would love to have seen more, but can you do i'm, I'm yeah. thrilled like we got three seasons absolutely i mean that's a that's an accomplishment considering like and now it's weird that sometimes a, a tv show's season will be six episodes i know when like yeah. in, in the 90s like a full season order was like 28 or some yep. shit yeah i mean we were doing 13 and people thought that was epic because we were already in the six eight order right. era yeah um, but yeah um Outstanding guest actor in a comedy series, Only Murders in the Building, with Nathan Lane. Um, I'm skipping over the very technical... There's, like, you know, sound design and... Did I win anything? You know, I I, I don't think you did. I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't work on anything in the last two years, but I still feel like, right. spiritually, I influenced a lot of shit. Yes, and if only there were a reward for that. I mean, unfortunately, like, to pull the curtain back a, a lot... For any sort of level of Emmys, you have to, like, submit with a fee and check all these boxes and, like, have to be on air from a certain period of time to even, like, be in consideration to be nominated. And then it's up to a certain, like, designated peer group as, like, delineated by the Academy of TV Arts and Sciences uh, as to, like, who gets nominated. And, I mean, it's obviously a bunch of old people. That's why, like... Chappelle keeps getting nominated all the time. It's it's not it's not it's not like the people that are quote unquote with it, you know. Right. These are not like indie. T- this is not the guy at the record store who you're like, hey, what should I be listening to? <laughs> like, right. This yeah. is not that. Yes. Um. I will. You know. There's. I mean, the one thing about the Emmys is only the Grammys outdo them for uh, a number of categories. Yeah, man. So, <laughs> That's why, you know, it's really great that Atlanta got uh, one for cinematography and that Hacks got uh, one for uh, guest actress. And definitely the George Carlin doc got, um, you know, I, it, as, as a special. Or I, I think it might be even a miniseries because it's like recorded in two parts. But I'm not going to go through over every one. Did you um, watch that doc? Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. But did, yeah. it depress, did it depress you? At the end, I was depressed. I was like, A, because it just felt like every issue he's talking about, which he has done the definitive right. bit on, right. is still relevant. 
Yeah. And so it, it was like, oh, we've made zero progress. Right. That, that is like that's what depressed me. That is sort of depressing. I mean, that's where I feel like I don't think there's a real multiverse, Adam, but I think it like the idea <laughs> of a multiverse is a good way to understand and cope with like so in a lot of ways we've made zero progress. But like, I don't know, women don't need men to have their own credit card. No, you're right. You're right. There are and, and people can say, here's my pronouns in my email. Yeah. But, you know, it was more like gun control, abortion, climate change. And these are like his legendary bits. Right. And you're like, we're, we, we're right there. They're still like terrifyingly real American problems. Yeah, absolutely. In global, I oh, mean, people, global warming. Yeah. Yeah. And people, oh no, it's like a global problem. Like people, and I mean, even after one of the definitive bits George Carlin did about climate change slash the environment is how like the planet will be fine. It's us. That, That's such a great bit. Such yeah. A great bit. And I, I think like there's, there hasn't even been a paradigm shift, even in the climate change activists of like, we, we are not saving the environment but that's still what's communicated right we're saving us yes you're right they need to change the language and be like you're gonna die yeah yeah <laughs> we're not trying to save whales or polar bears or ice yeah you're gonna die the earth doesn't care that it's like a little thirsty i also really liked and i thought it was so this is why apatow is great but like the the first carlin doc ended and it was basically other comics being like Carlin's washed up. Carlin ain't shit. Yeah. Carlin is a hippie cliche. Right. That motivated Carlin 2.0. Right. And it is so uniquely com comedic to have that thin a skin mm -hmm. that it was to like somebody says something negative about you in a in a high profile. I think it was like Cheech or Chong, right. who was huge. That it's like really well. Here's the fire for the <laughs> second half of my career, and that's so petty. But also so real to a comedian. He's just like, no, 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 no. You don't say that about me. And I love that that motivated like everything that came. Yeah, that is, my, that is one of my big takeaways from that doc is that that guy, like this guy that we uphold so much. And I mean, again, his his bits are still relevant today. He he was never done finding his voice. Right, right. Yeah, it got real dark. And I was talking with Ben Roy about that Carlin documentary. And, and this is not we're not the only people to say this. But the reason those clips are still relevant is because people still share them all the time because they're like the definitive right. bit on religion or climate change as you talk about. But right. what's funny is that both liberals and conservatives will share them thinking he's making their point. Right. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of crazy as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of Malcolm Gladwell's satire paradox. It's something. It's something. All right, next news story. Um, Tiffany Haddish uh, issued an apology uh, over this weekend uh, as a long-standing, repeated suit of uh, child sex abuse based on asking children to be in a sketch uh, about pedophiles. Uh, it was a sketch that she uh, did with Aries Spears uh, that she admits was not funny. It was a bad idea, and she deeply regrets that. But um, she uh, is definitely defending herself with the idea of, like, she is not a child sex abuser. It was just a unfunny sketch that was ostensibly just trying to get laughs out of shock. 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was from a long time ago. And, uh, you know, a lot of people on her team say that it's just tried to be a, a shakedown. But the just I think media in general, even though it probably doesn't have an agenda either way, necessarily like who who we who do we want to win? Who do we not? I think the coverage of it is just like, do we need to be doing this right now? You know, I think media has an agenda all the time. And, and it's definitely a topple the topple the biggest star if you can, because that makes the most money. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, she's a big star, and so it's like, let's go after her on this one. But I don't know enough about it. Like, I also feel like if people did a dumb sketch and there was no child abuse, but right. it was a dumb sketch referencing that, and then they say, sorry, that was a fucking dumb sketch. Yeah. I regret it. That feels like an okay thing. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like, I mean, it also oddly feels uh, similar to this. Have you been following this Nirvana case? Oh, is that the one about the kid? The kid who was like, it's the baby on Nevermind. Yeah. And like, you know, he wants to sue them under the idea that like that picture was used without his consent. Right, right, right. But it's like, how could, it's, you're, you're a baby. You're a baby. Yeah, it, what breaks my heart about that is like, that kid could be the coolest guy of all time. <laughs> yeah. It'd be real easy for you to be the coolest guy of all time, to give inter to give interviews for money about like what it means to be this iconic album cover and instead you went the like slimy slip and fall route right and it, it, that breaks my heart yeah um so that's where i mean yeah i mean you're right about media wanting to like make the most money out of blowing something up but yeah i just don't i you know tiffany actually has like a foundation that's dedicated to like I'm pretty sure helping like, like, uh, girls of color like advance in entertainment. So I, I think that's far removed from a dumbass sketch she did a long time ago. Yeah, you know, I, I just feel like obviously comics should know better a lot of the time. Right. But I do think comics push boundaries to find their voice, and they miss wildly a lot, oh, aka sure. any open mic you've ever been to. Right. And when it happens on a larger scale, they should have known better. But if they if they no one was hurt and then they look back at it critically and yeah. say, I learned from that and I think it was dumb versus like, you can't tell me what to say, which is half of stand up right now. Oh, yeah. I'm really sympathetic to people who are like, oh, boy, I did that. I, I was trying to push boundaries and swinging a fucking miss and sorry to who I offended. I, that's all I ask from you. Yeah. But when you turn around and say, I'm untouchable, you can't tell me what to do now, ever, or anything I ever did, mm -hmm. then you're not a real human being capable of thought or growth. Right. You're just yeah. a machine that yeah, wants right. to bowl over everything in your path. Absolutely. And that's where it's like, look, it's not, it's, you're clearly still saying what you want to say. The problem is that you don't want to hear what other people freely want to say about what you freely say. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah. And fame cloisters you. Yeah. So you've been yes man or yes woman for a decade. Yeah. And so suddenly now when anybody's challenging you like the internet, mm -hmm. you're like, well, I'm unchallengeable. And you're like, no, you're not. No, you're not at all. Yeah. We're not in your circle. You're not paying us. So yeah. like, it, you better be able to sort of speak intelligently about this, which it sounds like Tiffany Haydish is doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
Um, that's all the time we have for today, because I know you got to get out of here. Uh, you, I got a, I got kid stuff, Jake. Yeah, uh, I get it. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Is uh, of course the festival is coming up. Uh, where can people find you online? Where can people find more details about the festival and all that? Jake? Well, the festival is highplainscomedy.com. dot com. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in Denver, September eighth through tenth, which is this weekend. And if you want to follow me, I'm uh, at Caton Holland on all the socials, and AdamCatonHolland.com is my website, and. I got a really fun podcast called The Grolic Saves the World with the dudes that I do those who can't did those who can't with and yep. it's uh, it's growing and it's a lot of fun so if you're into podcasts listen to that. Wonderful. Uh, I'm Jay Kroger. I create the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at the Comedy Bureau and the Comedy Bureau.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at not the supermarket at Twitter MFJ Kroger. So many good causes to support at this time. Please support those. But if you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau. Do you have anything to say as we sign off? The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Granillo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.